It's that time again. This is Kenny Jang with the Church Online Podcast. And today we are going to be talking about generative AI. Now, if you've been around any news outlet or social feed in the last couple of months, you know that in November, December, ChatGPT made a splash in all the headlines and it's even being talked about in the church world right now. So today we're going to talk about what is ChatGPT and give you a quick overview of what you need to think about if you are a a church leader um, and how you might start to apply it. So let's get right to it. What is ChatGPT? ChatGPT now is a chatbot, right? You've seen those uh, chatbots for customer service on a website, etc. Well, this one is a conversational chatbot, a little bit like that. It's created by uh, an organization called OpenAI, and they specialize in artificial intelligence. In fact, uh, they go back years in, in terms of development. So it's not like a startup that they just created this thing uh, in November and launched it. They've been doing this for years. In fact, Elon Musk was an early um, investor. Microsoft has been an investor, etc. And basically, when you work with ChatGPT, it's like having a conversation with the computer. Now, ChatGPT can understand natural language. You don't need to actually um, modify your thoughts into how a computer might process it, right? Literally, you talk to it as if you're talking to me. And then it will respond to questions and have comments of its own, right? It's like having your own personal assistant who can answer questions or even have conversations with you. And that's uh, one point that we'll get into later. This is a conversation engine, not a one-time you know, push a button, vending machine, get the candy and leave type of scenario. Now, you don't need to be technical to use it. That's the best part. Um, basically, anyone on your team or staff can start using it. You just type in what you want to say and ChatGPT will give you an answer um, or follow your commands to do whatever stuff that you're asking it to. So um, that's what ChatGPT is. If you need a little bit more of a nerdy explanation of what ChatGPT is, it's an advanced uh, AI chatbot trained by OpenAI that interacts conversationally, right? And it's built on top of the GPT-3 family of large language models. And then it's been fine-tuned for both natural language processing and natural language understanding, etc. right? And this tool basically um, comes from, again, this power player in that AI field. Um, the name of the company, again, is OpenAI. And the whole point is that it's making it democratized so that anyone can access this technology, right? And so recently, GPT, as you know, made the rounds in social media, headlines, Facebook groups. And I just wanted to get into some of the pros and cons of, you know, using this type of tool for pastors and church leaders. Um, So let's keep on going, right? So if you haven't used it before, let's talk about literally what the process of using ChatGPT or these AI copywriting tools look like. There's a bunch of other tools out there, Jarvis, Copy AI, WriteSonic, etc. There's a Bing is coming out with a version of this. And basically the process is the same, relatively straightforward. First, um, you're going to call it up and then you're going to input a prompt. That's what we call the query or the question that you're going to put into the chatbot. So you're going to Construct your prompt, which is basically a natural language conversational sentence or a question, and you hit enter. And then the chatbot will go off and think and generate an answer based on all of its fancy artificial intelligence algorithms, right? And then finally, you can review 
that generated text ensure that it meets everything that you want. Or you can continue on and submit a secondary conversational prompt to give it feedback or redirect it or continue building on what was generated or ask to clarify. Or you can even ask it to ask you to clarify things for it. Um, it really is a conversation. Now, um, these chatbots utilize reinforcement learning for human feedback. Um, the technical acronym for this RLHF you might see in some of the articles and writings that you'll see. Reinforcement learning with human feedback. And they're using it to create content according to basically pre-programmed desired behaviors, right? And so uh, this process works by having the user uh, provide an input uh, via prompt or question, which then is processed during used using those algorithms. And then it generates this answer based on the RLHF data, right? The reinforcement learning with human feedback. Um, this, you know, is great because now you're able to generate content um, and let let the machine do the work of translating, you know, how to best how to best, you know, push the buttons and levers internally in the brain to get the answers that you want. And this back and forth conversational prompting can help shape the content so that it fits the intended objectives of what you're trying to produce, right? Um, otherwise, think about what you do at Google, right? You basically put something in, you get something back. Eh, it's close. It's not a perfect fit. Then you got to go to the content on the web page and then you got to find where it is on the page, etc. Uh, it's... This thing is going to change the search interfaces for sure. But um, for you, for the, you, the church leader, the pastor, this is going to be a highly efficient way to create um, more content, better content, uh, deeper researched content without sacrificing quality. And uh, one of the biggest promises is potential time savings, of course. So um, if you're in the church, you might be asking, like, what, what can I produce with ChatGPT? Um, and the answer is you can produce a whole variety of content projects, right? Um, immediately you're thinking sermon prep and devotionals and Bible study curriculum, right? Um, but there's more. So I, I'll just give you a couple things that we've had some tests with ChatGPT and these gen, gen, generative AI tools. Um, and we've used it to produce, again, um, sermon research, brainstorming, sermon illustrations, uh, complete devotionals where uh, I've asked the AI to come up with um, contextual, historical contextual information of a Bible verse and then some reflection, right, the devotional piece. And then even some application questions um, or discussion questions for a group setting, like a Bible study group, um, and even a written prayer at the end of the devotional. Um, that all can be produced using these tools. Uh, Bible study curriculum obviously is something that every church in particular probably should be experimenting to see does this fit into you know, all the processes that you're doing on a weekly basis. Social media content is another category. Uh, that's an easy one, low-hanging fruit. Um, you could use it um, to help with improving staff evaluations, right? Sometimes helping to articulate feedback in constructive ways that are not just like rambling sentences and is structured and actually might have a little bit more concrete um, output 
is going to be more helpful for staff members that are on the receiving end of uh, staff evaluations. Uh, you might use it for ideation, for getting a list of Bible verses or passages that are related to any given felt need topic that you're trying to tackle in your work or ministry. Um, you might be um, having a meeting with somebody that's coming up and you know that they have they face certain types of challenges or circumstances and you might be able to use ChatGPT or these Gen AI tools to help you brainstorm or research uh, different biblical worldviews or uh, approaches, um, different types of practical theology uh, to in order to help prepare you even better for that upcoming meeting, right? You can help sur summarize sermons uh, to produ produce discussion guides. Uh, you can actually, um, in your sermon prep, ask... Hey, this is what I'm thinking in my manuscript. Um, what would a skeptic think about this? Uh, what would someone who just came to faith think about this? What are the questions that they would have after receiving this portion of the message? And then um, it could make your sermon message even much richer and, and more dynamic, right? So there's tons of stuff that you can do in the church world. Um, and I would say, look, there's pros and cons of using tools like this. Um, let's just say for the pros, uh, maybe the first pro is that you could use these tools to help you increase engagements, right? Pastors, um, you literally are always looking for ways to increase engagements in conversations, especially online, right? Digital, whether through email or texting or uh, online forums or you might have a live uh, discussion chat thread in your app or on your in your Facebook group. Um, one of the challenges I know that church leaders have is, you know, writing for the genre of social media and online platforms seems to be different than what we've been trained for in seminary. Um, and so getting suggestions from ChatGPT could lead you to um, learning that craft, that art of um, taking conversations online um, and potentially even transitioning it to offline conversations, um, helping to build better relationships, deeper connections where you are writing in public, but yet trying to connect with individuals uh, deeply and then obviously have those invitations to take it further offline and personalize it. In terms of personalization, the second pro might be um, it really can help you gain new perspectives on how to approach personalized messaging uh, to questions from anybody from the congregation, whether it be after a sermon that you give, um, after they see or partake in some ministry, some Bible study, um, or something that they're facing in their own life, right? Uh, ideation, brainstorming is basically one of the best use cases for ChatGPT and tools like this. Um, hopefully, uh, if you have enough experience with this type of tool, you'll start to understand how you might be able to see blind spots or even um, additional angles of needs that your congregation might have, as well as, this is the best part about these tools, uh, to challenge the AI to help you to suggest for like more tailored advice or more personalized guidance that you might not see or help you articulate it in ways that's just more meaningful and more helpful to the congregation. Uh, a third pro we talked about is, is just basically it will save you time. 
um, helping you to generate structured outlines or cleaning up your grammar or giving you better language more than just the thesaurus. Um, using AI to say, hey, here's a passage. I need you to help make it much more um, persuasive or impactful or empathetic with certain types of profiles, right? Um, these AI tools allow pastors basically to save time when you're working on almost any type of writing activity. And so hopefully you'll start to see that. Now, obviously, um, it's technology, it's innovation. There's pros and cons for every single thing that comes out, right? And so um, the first one would be ethical issues, right? I, and I think this is something that it's not just in the church world. I think uh, ethics is going to need to be dealt with across the board with generative AI and these conversational chatbots. Uh, because there's p- potential issues that could immediately rise in, uh, in my head uh, just thinking about this uh, for pastoral work. For example, p- my, people might be um, uncomfortable talking to a machine versus a real person when seeking spiritual guidance, right? And so how much of this do you rely upon it, right? Um, because both the language might tend to be a little bit stale or robotic, you know, um, or um, if you don't review the content carefully, um, any prescription that you give or any advice that might come out of it actually might not be theologically sound or appropriate to the actual context of the, the listener and the receiver, right? Uh, the other thing is attribution. You know, how much of your writing and sermon writing, article writing, curriculum writing is uh, utilizing these tools. Um, I like to say you have to think of this much like a seminary trained intern, not a push button replacement so that you don't need to do work. Um, And attribution is going to be a major question of how, how this happens, right? I mean, you just think about for sermons when pastors quotes, borrow sermons from other pastors, um, that type of attribution issue is already something that many people have um, some problems with. And the question here is, you know, how much of a disclosure is needed? Um, A lot of the problems is that these AI tools themselves don't actually give proper attribution to where they're sourcing the information sometimes. And so um, all these ethical issues have to be considered. Uh, Transparency at the end of the day is... um, the best advice, right? That I, I, I don't think you can go wrong with always defaulting and pushing towards transparency instead of trying to figure out how to spin it or how to make it appropriate so that most people don't pay attention to it, right? Um, I would say maybe another con is, again, that lack of human connection. Um, while it might be convenient for you as a church leader to use, Um, you have to remember that it does not replace the human connection that comes along with having like a real conversation with someone face-to-face or over the phone or video call, right? Like you might start to, (laughs) you might start to prefer, uh, you probably do already to prefer correspondence uh, via text or email or written forms, right? Just because it's asynchronous. But um, hopefully this type of tool doesn't push that even further into that realm because, Face-to-face synchronous conversations, real-life, in-person conversations obviously have tremendous, tremendous value, even if you don't have the same appropriate words that uh, a chatbot might help you with, right? 
So over-reliance um, is obviously something that can erode that ability and um, that lack of human connection is something that could be a potential con if you start to use this too much. Uh, the third one is uh, a very practical one that I don't think a lot of pastors and church leaders are, are seeing in these early stages that I am actually um, you know, involved in various communities. I haven't seen this issue much, but there's a security concern, right? So um, ChatGPT is a learning model, right? It's a learning platform. So it, it works because of its reliance on data collection and then analyzing that. And there's all these techniques in, in the backside. But basically, anything you put into the chatbot is fair game for it to save and use in the future somehow. And you just don't know how that's going to be used. And so um, you might see that in the future, um, a lot of personal information, data, sensitive information is probably going to end up being used maliciously by hackers or, you know, other malicious actors um, because they're not properly secured against those threats. Now, I think the chatbot platforms are actively trying to put in safeguards, um, but technically, um, you know, AI inputs for all these various language models um can collect the data that you put into it for learning and improvement and any sensitive content can be exposed in ways that you don't intend. And so that's a big con. Um, so there is a limitation of the types of things that you could use it for. You obviously would need to anonymize, uh, sanitize the stuff that you put in, make it hypothetical, but still um, you have to assume that anything you put in there can be accessed or will be accessed eventually by somebody else, whether it's intended or not. And so a lot of privacy issues uh, could be involved with this stuff because they store all the information that you share with them, right? So that's the third con. I mean, there's a bunch of other pros and cons, but I think um, off the cuff, those are those are three pros and three cons that you could look at and, and weigh. Um, what What is this good for? What is this not good for, right? And And make your own decisions. Um, so I was talking about like, we shouldn't be too reliant on ChatGPT, right? But how can you ensure that you're not too reliant on it? Um, you know, I think there's probably a couple practical things that you can do to ensure that you're not, uh, defaulting to this and using it as a crutch. Um, first one is like, first suggestion I think is you have to make sure you keep up with the latest developments with this type of technology. So they have a good understanding of what's available and you know how to best use it in your ministry so just a basic awareness of the tools and what they are best used for um, instead of having one sledgehammer tool and using it for everybody and for everything um, having a better nuanced uh, education is probably best long term so that you're not just using it um, over and over again and that you might be able to see what the limitations are right as they say an educated consumer is the best customer um suggestion number two would be uh, i think you need to take uh time to develop your own ideas and resources you know rather than relying on technology right you have to figure out ways and rhythms and exercises to stay creative 
and engaged with your own congregation without relying on technologies, right? Imagine if you had a blackout for a month, you don't have any batteries, you don't have the computer, what would you do? I think that's just one of those things with all technology. We talk about this a lot with uh, worship media, right? Um, Does your worship team, does your worship band uh, know how to play music? What would they do if you had a blackout on Sunday morning, right? I think as technology becomes much more pervasive in our life, I think we still need to think of not not backups, but um, analog ways to generate the same outcome so that it, it, it continues to um, challenge and stretch our own human creativity and productivity to be able to do the same or similar things in terms of objectives, but not with the tech. Uh, the third one is... Uh, spending time talking with members of your congregations about their thoughts and feelings about the use of AI and technology. You'll be surprised. It's, uh, it's, it's a huge percentage of the public right now that don't trust AI. As much as you and I might have enthusiasm for uh, generative AI and these technologies, there is a clear segment of the population that doesn't understand it, is fearful Um, makes it think that there's going to be an AI machine in the sky, a little bit like uh, Big Brother 1984. Um, So just making sure that you understand the concerns of uh, the other side of the coin, I think gives a healthy skepticism for what these tools can do and uh, provides at least some mental uh, checkpoints as to making sure that you're not too reliant on these tools. Um, and again, I think as these tools evolve, they'll become specialized and you'll see, you know, that they are not good for many things and they are very good for other things. So, um, I, you know, I encourage you, you need to get involved with these tools and just to test them out because they are sweeping culture. Now, um, this thing is going to, um, be much more pervasive than almost any other technology in the past. Um, when they've launched. And so, um, yeah, and and ChatGPT is not the only tool, right? There are other alternatives out there. ChatGPT just came out in like November 2022. And there are many tools that have been started before then. Uh, There are many tools that are going to come out of the gate after. Um, And so let me just share a couple of them. One of them is Jasper. Jasper Chat um, is something that's just like GPT Chat, but Jasper AI, the entire platform, is pretty robust. They have over 50 templates for different things that you can do, and it's powered by the same technology. GPT 3.0, GPT 3.5 is the technology that um, that powers ChatGPT from OpenAI, and it also powers Jasper Chat. Um, there's another one called ChatSonic. Uh, another one called Perplexity. Uh, Microsoft Bing is promising to come out as we speak. It's releasing it to Bing.com um, and the mobile app. They're actually adding a voice component. So you, instead of typing, you could just talk to Bing and Bing Chat will you know, give you back the responses just like a conversation. That's, that's really cool. Um, Lambda is another one. Uh, Claude from Anthropic, which is, I believe, where Google dropped $400 million to invest in that technologies. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg just announced Llama, which is um, another language model that's going to be 
putting their hat into the ring. Um, so tons of options that are coming out. And it's something that I think every church leader really needs to think about. Um, so what? where do we end? What, what's the whole point of all this? I think in conclusion, like there are plenty of plenty, plenty of potential benefits of using AI chatbots in your work, right? If you are a church leader, if you have pastoral work ahead of you this week, um, you could use it for um, producing content that's more engaging, that's more impactful, that saves time in the research and production of it. Um, There's all these things that you could do that we don't even know about yet. One of the things that I've heard at the Gen AI conference in Silicon Valley recently was when they were producing and launching ChatGPT3, this preceded the 3.5 that we have today. Um, they didn't know that it could write computer code. And someone on Twitter posted um, code to build a website, a web page. And the team was like, oh my gosh, this thing could build computer code. Um, and so he was talking about we're at the point in innovation where we are starting to build tools where we clearly don't have a clue as to what the real potential and what the real capabilities are and that you need to put a million users on the platform for it to really to really you know discover the the potential practical use cases and so it's kind of inspiring kind of scary um, but it also shares with us that man there's an opportunity in ministry that we don't even think about right now that is going to unfold for us. And so this is why you have to be in the game. Version one is better than version none. Uh, don't opt out, opt in. And hopefully you'll figure out ways to get ChatGPT to be beneficial for your ministry. Um, and again, like so many other technological innovations, um, if you use it in thoughtful ways, if, it use, if you use it responsibly, basically, if you're educated in this category of stuff, it could be a great resource to support your work as a church leader. And at the end of the day, have more impact, have more breakthroughs, reach more people in your community. And that's what this is all about, right? So uh, there you go. That's a quick overview of what ChatGPT is, generative AI tools, these chatbots. We're going to be diving deeper into this, having more conversations with practitioners, One of the things I want to invite you to, if you haven't, is to discover the AIforChurchLeaders.com Facebook group. So go to that website, www.AIforChurchLeaders.com, spell it all out, um, and go to that website and ask to join. And then you could join the hundreds of church leaders that are sharing peer-to-peer what they're learning, how they're learn, how they're using it, questions and answers. Uh, we're, we're putting on webinars. Would love to see you in the AIforChurchLeaders.com group. Till next time, I'm Kenny Jang with uh, the Church Online Podcast. Let me know what you thought about this episode and let me know what we should cover in future episodes. What's one burning questions about technology that you have because everything that we do here at Church Tech Today is aimed at helping you build the perfect tech stack for your church. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll check you out here next time.